Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, living God's way without even knowing it, this has been my heartbeat since the day that Christ came into my life. I may not have formulized it in an outline like I just um, talked about a moment ago, but I knew that when I got saved, everywhere I went, I know that I wanted to exalt Christ. In everything I did, I wanted to glorify God every day of my life. Now, I, I, sometimes when I talk to people who have jobs and they may not be in the ministry, they're, they're wondering how can they do it. And I believe if you'll write those things down and think about it, you too can live for God everywhere you go, every day of your life and everything you do. But you must make the decision. You must make the decision, I am going to live God's way. Now, if you have not made that decision in your life, it's impossible to do. I remember trying to turn over new leaves. I tried to change my language. I tried to change my ways. And I can tell you, living my way, it was an impossibility to live God's way without his power, without the presence of his Holy Spirit in me. I think about Joshua in the scripture, in the book of Joshua. He's, his life is about to end, but he reminds Israel, you remember what it was like living in captivity in Egypt, living the Egyptian way. And then God delivered you with a mighty hand, with great miracles and parting the Red Sea. It, so great was his power that the stories have been told for three to 4,000 years. He said, remember, you were living the Egyptian way, and then you got into the wilderness, and you forgot what it was like. And Moses went up into the mountain, received the Ten Commandments, came down, and people forgot what God had done, and they began to live their way again. And God killed over 3,000 people when Moses came off the mountain. He could have wiped all of Israel out, but he showed grace and he showed mercy. He wanted to communicate, live God's way. You need to make a decision this morning. I am going to live God's way. First, you must repent that you are in rebellion against the Father. Confess your sin and put your trust in Jesus alone, and you begin the journey of living God's way. It is a wonderful journey, and you will see the glory of God working in you, just like I mentioned a little earlier about my daughter. But here's what Joshua said in Joshua 24. As he's about to go the way of, I told you, Hazel, going to be with the Lord, here's what he said to them, his parting words to Israel. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods, all these trinkets, all these bells, all these whistles, all these things that take first place in your life. Remember, Jesus said, I must be first before your mother, your brother, your sister, your wife, before your job, before your activities, I must be first or they become a little God. So he said, 
Put all your gods away that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers who served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made up your mind today looking in online? I'm going to serve the Lord. I've tried it my way. Have you tried it your way? How's it gone? Make a decision to live God's way. Solomon, David's son, he decided to do it his way. He tried everything under the sun. He tried to uh, find happiness and satisfaction in science. He couldn't get any answers. He sought it in philosophy, he, but in vain. He sought it in pleasure, in drinking, in building, in possessions, in wealth, in music. He tried materialism, fatalism. You find all this in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he even tried morality. Here is the conclusion, he said, about all that, living his way. He said in Ecclesiastes 12, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's why I believe in living for God in everything you do. You see, living your way, it seems okay, but Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that there is a way that seems right on the man. Many people are religious, and if you ask them if, if, if all is well, and they'll tell you all is well with their soul. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in God? Yes, because over 75% in America believe in Jesus and believe in God. But there's no difference in their lives. They're not living for God everywhere they go and everything they do every day of their lives. It's noticeable. There seems a, a way that seems right to men, but its end is the way to death. The ambitious, ambitious rich man tried it his way. Then he was getting ready to enjoy all the things that he had, had earned. And God said, well, today... Your life is going to be required of you. He didn't get to enjoy his toys and bells and whistles. Even Frank Sinatra, I remember him writing a song, I Did It My Way. In fact, even in the song, he said, let the record state, I did it my way. And if you do it your way, the end will lead to destruction. But I want to encourage you as a business owner, as a worker, as an employee, as a mom, as a dad. You can live God's way by making up your mind right out the gate. God, I'm going to live for you everywhere I go. Now, I want to bring up Daniel as I walk through this message this morning. Because here's a guy that it was easy living for God when he was in Jerusalem when he was living under a monarchy, when he was living under God's favor. But then the Babylonians, an evil empire, conquered the Judea. And slowly but surely, they all went into captivity. In about 605 B.C., Daniel went into captivity. But Daniel made up his mind, whether he was living in Jerusalem, 
where it was easy to live for God. When he went to Babylon, which was a very wicked, worldly, evil empire, he made up his mind, I'm going to live for God everywhere I go. Many people have not made that decision that everywhere they go, that they're going to still live God's way even when they're around wicked and evil people. While Daniel was in Babylon, he decided to live the exact same way he lived in Jerusalem, eat the exact same food that he ate in Jerusalem, and pray the exact same way that he prayed when he was in Jerusalem. And the scripture in Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8, begins to fill in the blanks of some of this story about living for God everywhere he went. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. He didn't have to do that. He could have lived differently. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And, he, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see you that you're worse in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my, my head with the king. And then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, some of you have come to know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Boy, isn't it nice to have good buddies? I resolved in my heart when I got saved to hang out with only godly people. I have kept that even now that I'm 65 years old. I have always hung around godly people. Iron sharpens iron. And if I hang around worldly people, then I'll begin acting like the world, talking like the world, smelling like the world, and doing what the world does. But his friends were just like Daniel. He said, go ahead and test us for 10 days with this food that we want to eat and all the food that you guys eat we're going to eat differently let us be be given vegetables to eat and water to drink then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see and at the end of this time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in after eating this kind of food and drinking that kind of drinks, the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel. Now go ahead and say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the other magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel made up his mind that everywhere that he went, that he decided he would live for God. Have you ever heard the saying, what happens in Vegas, what? That's not good. And that's what a lot of people do. And that's what a lot of people that you hang around at work do. When they're around their house, their wife, their husband, here's how they behave. When they go somewhere else, they live differently. 
When we live differently, we lose our power to be a witness for God. No wonder why people don't inquire of you and me. Why do you believe in God? Why do you have this hope during all the things that have transpired over the last two years? Why do you have a peace? Why are you not fearful? Has anybody been asking you those questions? Because everywhere you've gone, that's the way you've lived. Like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you decided to live for God everywhere you go? In Galatians 2.11, Paul, listen, conf Paul confronted one of the top religious leaders, Peter, because he wasn't doing what I just talked about, that everywhere he went, he was going to live God's way. Peter, of all people. What was happening is when he was around his buddies, he lived one way. He ate one way. He drank one way. <clears throat> And then he got around, if, oh, Jacob, if you get me something to drink, I appreciate it. <clears throat> uh, water, that's the kind of drink I want right now. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we clarify that. And when he was with uh, the Gentiles, all the other people, all the other ethnic groups, guess what? He lived differently. He ate differently. He drank liver. Thank you, Andy. And um, so Paul confronted him about his hypocrisy. It reminded me that when I was younger, and I remember they said, Pastor, you can never have a drink of wine, where I said, well, I'm not going into ministry if I can't have that. And I remember pouring everything down the sink, and for years I didn't do that. But I, I enjoy a glass of wine. And, and, uh, but I couldn't stand when they, when they told me, you can't do this and the seminary. And for five years after you get a seminary, you can't do it. And, uh, and then you'd go to a restaurant, and, you, and, and so you, you'd live one way on campus, and you'd live one way at home, and then when you get to the, to the, to the restaurant, you're looking all around you. You, you lived one way there, but <laughs> no one's going to see me here. I, I can live the way I want over here, and, and I could, but I was always torn about that. I wanted to live the same way at the seminary, at my house, and at the restaurant or wherever I went. I wanted to live the same way. Well, Peter did not live the same way when he was around other people. He didn't drink the same thing. He didn't eat the same thing. Let's look in on that, that uh, scene. When, when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, Paul, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before me, certain men came from James... And he was eating with the Gentiles. And he was hobnobbing it up. He ate whatever they ate. He drank whatever they drank. But when they came, that is his buddies, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. That's the Jewish people, his brothers in Christ. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? He was not living the same everywhere he went. There is a freedom when you decide to live God's way and you make up your mind 
ahead of time. God, everywhere I go, I am going to live for you. By the way, that's wonderful because that means God is going with you and he will protect you and love you. There's a good thing about living for God everywhere you go. I remember in my first church after I got saved, there was a zealousness for God. And in the church, I'd see a lot of young people. And all a lot of the young people from 20 to 30, they sang and praised God in the church. But when I went outside the church with them, and I went to the movie theaters, and I went places with them, they did not want to live the exact same way, and I was very uncomfortable. And then because I was uncomfortable, it would look like I was being judgmental because I didn't want to do the things that they did. When I went to seminary, I hung around a lot of successful people when I went to seminary. I was in a very large church, and it was very challenging. I wanted to be around godly people. See, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's the one causing you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's the one asking you to hang around people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's the one. I don't want to hang around the people in the world. I know what they live like. I know what they talk like. I know they stab you in the back if they got a chance. I wanted to hang around godly people. But I sat in homes with some of these people. They did not want to live for God everywhere they went. And they would watch things that I did not want to watch and I would have to get up and walk out and it would look like I was so self-righteous. And I went to college and seminary, the exact same thing. You had people that, that look righteous. They looked like they wanted to live God's way. And then when they went certain places, they lived differently. I've seen this over and over and over and over again. Do you want to live God's way? Then you make up your mind everywhere I go. I am going to live God's way. Charles Swindoll, a great preacher, was speaking at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and he, he was addressing all these preachers, and he said, you know, when you were home, everyone knew you, but when you come to the seminary, they don't know who you are. And some of you right now, you have pride, egos, you're adulterers. Your sin's going to find you out. Someone in the church is going to find you out. Because you think because you came to seminary, you can live differently. Because you're under the umbrella and protection of a spiritual institution. One of the preachers, I believe it is W.A. Criswell, who preached at Dallas, First Baptist Dallas, for over 40 years. He said, I believe it is him, that he kept track of all the people that he graduated with. By the end of his 40-something years in ministry, he said five were left of all the people that he graduated from. Don't tell me this is not a challenge, that everywhere you go, when you want to live God's way, you must make up your mind, God, I'm going to live for you when I'm on vacation, when I move to a new town, when I'm hanging out with certain friends. I want to live your way. How about in everything we do? Now, when you set out to, to make a decision to live God's way everywhere you go, that doesn't mean I can stand up here and tell you that I've accomplished, mission accomplished. Neither can you. But we strive for that. I know that that's the desire of my heart, and God looks to bless the desires of your heart. Do you desire, honestly, right now, to, to live God's way in everything you do. 
Do you have that desire? Or when you go home today, you absolutely know there are some things that you cannot live God's way because there are some, some things that you're doing right now that you're saying, I, I can't do it. Then you're going to miss out on what God wants to do through you like he did through Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like he's doing through Megan and uh, JW, like he wants to do through you. In 1 Corinthians 10, he reminds us of something so simple. We're talking about eating and drinking again. So whether you eat or drink, it seems so, so simple. Do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to the Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do it what's best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Ah, there's the key, that many may be saved. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I want to go right back to the same story again about Daniel. He wanted to please God even in the food that he ate and what he drank. I'm going to begin in verse 17. And for these four youths, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave them because of this learning and a skill in all literature and wisdom in Daniel, understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among them none was found like Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the other magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there again until the first year of King Cyrus. I brought this up again because you would think... I have to be careful, and you have to be careful. There's something the church doesn't really talk about, and that is eating. I never wanted to hang around the older people when I was younger because it seemed like every time I went over the house, they were eating fried chicken, fried chicken and apple pie. But we have to be careful even in what we eat and what we drink. And I really want to challenge Victory Life members. Yes, all things are permissible for us. Yes, as a pastor, I, I enjoy some certain types of beverages, but I understand something that I need to bring God, glory and honor to God in how I drink and how I eat. And I think there's getting a little bit of a rumor out about our church because there's too much of a freedom in the freedoms that we have. For an example, I don't want to go to a party where drinking is the activity. Does that make sense? Hey, we're going to have a drinking party over here. We're going to have shots and drinks and all that. And I don't, I don't want to go to a place where I know that's what the activity is. Now, if you're going to go to a restaurant, you're going to have a party. And by the way, you're going to have an adult beverage. 
fine. That's not the activity. But even then, you want to bring glory and honor in everything you do because people are looking to see Christ in you and you must make up your mind ahead of time. I want to honor God in everything I do, in my eating and in my drinking. Everything is permissible. Remember that. This is not a legalistic church. Do you really desire when people come over your house in the movies that you watch? Again, I'm not a legalist. When I got saved, you can't watch movies. You couldn't go dancing. You couldn't shoot pool. There's so many, a long laundry list of things they said I couldn't do. They were wrong, by the way. I rebelled against that. Some of my rebellion worked for the glory of God. I could dance, but how do you dance? You know, I go to weddings. You, there's fun kind of dancing, and there's, I won't do it, but there's bad kind of dancing. After one or two hours, all of a sudden, instead of going sideways, things start going a different way. <laughs> Guess what? That's when I leave. I may go to a party next door to my neighbor because I want to live for the glory of God. That is true. That's the reason I'm going to the party. As soon as I see the language or the other stuff get out of control, my wife and I leave our neighbor and we go home. We're there to bring honor and glory to God. Jesus went to parties. He went to banquets, but he brought the kingdom of God when he went. And if he couldn't bring the kingdom of God, I believe he wasn't there. Yes, God wants you to hang around lost people so that you can influence them, not so they influence you. So the movies you watch. By the way, this really impacted me because I saw so much in many of the families in the church. They would want to watch a movie, but then they would tell their kids to go to bed, and then they'd put on the flick. And the flick wasn't that great. And they're the kids, guess what the kids were doing? They were peeking around the corner like they always do. They come out of the bedroom. I'm thirsty, Mom. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. And they see what you're watching. You're not communicating a good message to your children. You're communicating inconsistency to them. That in everything I do, no, not, every, not in everything I do. I wanted to be consistent so that my children would understand that. What about the friends you hang around? I love, I love Daniel's friends. I remember playing tennis with a friend. I've told this story before, and he was lost, and I suppose it led he and his wife to Christ. They're living God's way, but not everywhere they go and everything they do. So we're playing tennis. Pretty soon he started bringing out the six-packs, and then he invited me to a neighbor's house right there on the tennis courts, and I walked in, and there was a bunch of girls there, and I'm married, and he's married. I said, Adios. And I was out of there. You have to make up your mind. Otherwise, they'll make up your mind for you. Everywhere you go and everything you do, you must make up your mind. God, I want to. Now, listen, I've sinned in my life. Please don't look up, up here and act like I've arrived. Paul said he has not arrived. But it is something that drives me. Everywhere I go, I want people to see God in me. And everything I do, it is a tall order, but I accept the challenge. I understand what God wants. And I've always told you the hardest place to do that is on the pickleball court. <laughs> Just teasing. It's getting easier and easier. What about driving in the car? 
Oh, I saw some elbows. The way people drive, it's a good thing they don't have Christ is my Savior on their bumper sticker. What about social media? Mm, some of the things that are said, once, once a month, maybe once every two months, I'll look on Facebook, on my wife's Facebook. I don't think I have a Facebook. I'll go to Instagram just to see what's happening. I'll go, let me get out of here. I have to get out of there pretty fast when I start looking at Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter and all those. Because I'll get to some, some athletes that will say something in my email and I'll hit on Twitter. And, oh, my goodness, the garbage and the language. The young kids, you're the ones that have to be extremely careful. Mom and dad, they're modeling you. Everything you do, you see, when you take an inch, they're going to take a mile. That's why you have to be so careful in what you do. You desire that. It's not a task for you. Everything you do in your business dealings. I was sharing with a friend yesterday. When I do business and a person says they're a Christian, I immediately, I'm examining them. I am. I'm going to listen to their rhetoric, I'm going to listen to their conversation, and I'm going to find out if they're a man or a woman of integrity. You, if you desire to live God's way, you must be able to live for God in everything that you do. You desire playing sports, how you spend your money. On this part, I'll end on point number two. Many men and women, especially men, they think that money's theirs in their pocketbook. And Jesus said, all the silver and gold is mine. If you recall the first two men on the face of this earth, did they, how did they worship God? Did they sing to him? No. The Bible doesn't indicate that. They came with an offering of what was already his. They came and said, this is yours, God. But to show you this is yours, and I understand that it's yours, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to offer it to you. And so some of you are doing it your way. I'm, I'm going to control my money, and I'm going to make my fortune, and you leave God out. So, so many men and women have not made a decision to live God's way when it comes time to money. How you treat your spouse. Oh, I've messed up a lot on this, but I understand the calling that as a pastor, I need to be able to impress my wife and my children that I love Jesus Christ. I know that I can stand up here boldly and not have to back down at all. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I've sinned. But I've apologized for those things that I've done. And as a rule, I live for God everywhere I go. As a rule, I live for God in everything I do. And now the final one, now you got to do it every day. Every day of your life. I like this about Daniel, but before we get to that, remember Psalms 118 tells us, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I like what Ralph Waldo Emerson said. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. I know that I'm the recipient at this age of being able to see my children and my grandchildren, my grandchildren making professions of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and see them get along and marry in the Lord and enjoying the Lord. What a blessing when I go over their houses and there's so little turmoil because they love God and they're raising their kids the right way. What a blessing. Did you know Daniel did the same thing? 
Remember, he was high up in King Nebuchadnezzar's administration, and then later on, another administration, King Darius. He was like someone in the present administration. He was no longer a prisoner. He was employed by Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But I like something that he did, and that is he decided every day of his life he was going to live for God. And you pick that up in the story when some of um, his colleagues were jealous of his position and they knew King Nebuchadnezzar was ready to give him a different kind of position. And although this might have been King Darius, I'm trying to remember right, Daniel 6, I think it was King Darius. And um, they were so jealous of him, they tried to set a trap and tried to find out something he did wrong. Be very careful what you read in the media, by the way. Don't quickly believe everything you hear because the enemy is always trying to set a trap for God's people. Look what they said about Jesus. So they tried to accuse Daniel. They couldn't find anything. They said, the only way we're going to trap him has to do something with his religion. Okay, so let's pick up in Daniel chapter 6. Excuse me for a second. It says, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, why do you think he planned to set him over the whole kingdom above everybody else? Because he was living God's way everywhere he went and everything he did. He had a reputation. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they couldn't find no ground for complaint or any fault. Wow, wouldn't that be nice to be said about us because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him that didn't mean he never sinned then these men said we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God so basically again they said listen we're going to build up this king we're going to butter him up be careful when people come to butter you up and tell you all wonderful things about who you are. And they said that about King Darius. They said, King Darius, you're so awesome. You're so great. What we, what we want you to do is set a rule in the Medes-Persian kingdom that for the next 30 days, that if anyone, or 60 days, anyone that bows down to any other god but you, you need to be exalted all over the kingdom, uh, then, then they're going to be thrown into the lion's den. So, the king gave in to this. His ego was stroked. He signed the law. When Daniel knew what the document, when the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows. He didn't hide. In his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He did what he did every day of his life. He got down on his knees three times a day. Everywhere you go and everything you do, Every day of your life, Daniel did this and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Ah, these men were so... Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They thought they had him. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any God or any man within 30 days except to you, O king, should be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, 
the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Hmm. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Do you see now, here Daniel's in another country under a different king, and, but he decides that in everything that he does, he's going to live God's way every day. By the way, that test is upon us right now all over the world in Canada and now in the United States. The challenge is coming. Are you going to live for God every day of your life? Can you live for God? As you live for the King of Kings and live God's way, can you actually live for God every day? Have you made a decision to live God's way every day, not just some days? Here are some good reasons why you should live God's way every day. Why? Because of the brevity of life in James 14, 14. Why do you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are amidst that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Mom and dad, you are the priest of your home. You have no idea how long your children are going to live. It behooves you at the earliest age possible to be the priest of your home. Don't leave it up to the church. Don't leave it up to some Sunday school teacher. Don't leave it up to a Bible teacher. You train them in the things of God and teach them about the greatest person that ever walked the face of this earth and don't leave it to anybody else. You have no idea what tomorrow may bring forth. Yes, it would be tragic to lose your son or your daughter, but it would be even a greater tragedy if you didn't teach them about their destiny. Also, Psalms 39.4 reminds us, David said, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath. So do you see why God wants you to live for him every day? Because life is so brief. It's like a breath. It's like dew that appears on the grass on your car in the morning. And the minute you turn your head around, the sun dried it up and it's gone. That's what life's like from God's perspective. He also teaches you and me, by the way, to seek him daily. In the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, he teaches us to ask him, give us this day our daily bread. When's the last time you asked God for that? Do you ever do this? God, I'm here to thank you for the food in the pantry that you've already given me. Have you ever done that? God, I don't have to ask you for food right now because you've already filled my pantry up with it. So I'm here to thank you for the food you've already given me. But do you ask him for your spiritual food? Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Get in the habit of daily asking God, God, I want to live for you every day of my life. God, I want to live your way, so I want to ask you today for my spiritual food that I need to resist the enemy on a day-to-day -day basis and shine for your honor and glory. God tells you also something else to do every day. This is why it's important to make a decision. 
I'm going to live for you, God, every day. In Luke 9.23, you've heard this famous passage about the cross. He said to all, if anyone will come after me, live for me daily, let him deny himself and take up his cross, what? Daily. We all know what he meant. There's no ambiguity here. We knew what the cross was going to mean to Jesus. False accusations, brutally beaten, bloodied, and being nailed to this tree. He is sharing with you and me. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. This is something that Christians don't really get their minds around. Yes, there are a lot of blessings, but he did say we would suffer for his name's sake. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Then he goes on to remind us, what is a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So he's giving you some reasons why you want to live your life daily for him. Then when you do that, you can turn a lot of conversations toward God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward at this time. You will, as we give an invitation here, you can turn many conversations for God when you make a decision. I'm going to live God's way. Everywhere I go, there'll be many times you'll have to be on your knees. God, I'm sorry. I, I, I did not. I, I remember living in New Orleans and Mardi Gras came around. That's where I got my master's in New Orleans. And, and, and there in Mardi Gras, you dressed a certain way. You could behave any way that you wanted because in a couple more days, you would just ask God to forgive you. What happened in uh, Mardi Gras? What happened in New Orleans? Stayed in New Orleans. That's what they said. But I said, God, that's not true with you. You know everything. Even Paul and Silas, after they were beaten, their conversation and the music that came out of their mouth caused people to turn their lives to God and be saved. Here's what it says in Acts 16. After they had been beaten for the glory of Jesus, and then all of a sudden there was an earthquake, and then the, 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 the gates opened, the jailhouse doors opened, and, and they were shackled, and their shackles fell off, and and then the, the jailer who was in charge of all them knew that if anybody escaped, it was off with his neck. And so all of a sudden, he heard all this, he saw all this, and he thought everyone's gone, and he took the sword to kill himself. But here's what Paul and Silas said. After he asked them, what must I do to be saved because he heard them singing songs. All the other people in the jail heard them singing songs and talking about God in jail of all places. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Quit asking people to ask Jesus in their heart. That's not biblical. You ask him to repent of their sins and believe in the cross. Believe in Jesus Christ that he took their punishment. Tell them to believe in Jesus. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Listen, there's no day offs 
in your walk with God. You know, I was looking this up online about all the different days off you get at work. And there, I found 18 of them. That in some places of employment, there's 18 of them. Don't write all them down and run to the boss and say, the preacher told me I could take this day off. But there are a lot of them. Vacation time, personal day, sick time, short-term, long-term disability, holidays, floating holidays, sympathy leave, bereavement, pet bereavement, jury duty, military leave, comp time, maternity leave, paternity leave, emergency child care leave, community service, student sabbatical, convention leave, domestic violence. Take a day off. You deserve a break today. But that's not how the Christian life works. Sure enough, you take a day off. You and me, of all people, understand what it's like when we take a day off. It's like a boomerang. Make up your mind today that you're going to live God's way. Like Daniel. By the way, I want to remind you, Daniel, in this wicked kingdom, in this wicked administration, live for God in such a way that King Nebuchadnezzar, this wicked, selfish, self-centered, egotistical, maniac man, after witnessing all that Daniel had said and done and revealer of dreams, and after God humbled him as he can humble all of us, he then said, I now worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he put out a decree, and the other kings, don't anybody say anything against Daniel's God. Now, I'm not saying it in order, but he did make it clear that he was a king because of Daniel, and probably Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, living for God everywhere they went, and everything they did every day of their lives. The king's life was changed. Do you want to make an impact for the kingdom of God today, tomorrow? Then make that decision. But until you make the decision to say, God, I am a sinner, admit that. Make your peace with God. How? Jesus said, I make peace for you. You cannot make peace. I'll make peace for you. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins and my sins. All you have to do is say, Jesus, save me. Whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. And you inherit eternal life. The Holy Spirit baptizes you in the family of God. You're now a child of God, and now you're free to live God's way. Make up your mind today. I encourage you, businessman, businesswoman, mama, daddy, I'm going to start living for God everywhere I go and everything I do every day of my life. Father, I'm so grateful as I stand here. I know that I'm not a hypocrite. I've not done everything perfectly. You have forgiven me. Remind everyone in this room that as we're on that road of living for you everywhere we go and everything we do every day of our lives, when we do not do it like we're supposed to, wow, you said if we'll come into the light, you will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. You will give us grace, especially those that have that kind of attitude. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro to bless those hearts that are completely his. Help the group of people here today make up their minds, perhaps some looking in online today, that I'm going to live for God. And Father, may we see 
the fallout of that because we made up our minds to live for you every day. May many people give their lives to you. May many people come forward to be baptized because of our decision to live for you. Work through us like you did Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.